Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete. I'm Kerry Rouse, and I travel to racetracks around the U.S., where I interview members of the racing community and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. I'm here with Kenny Schmid, and we are in the AOA RV here at uh, VIR for the GT World Challenge. And you drive for the team in, uh, what's the class you drive in? Uh, TC America and TCX class. Okay, great. Um, so how long have you been with the team? So first year, this is the first year I've been with the team. Uh, I've been familiar with them. I've known about them for several years because I got my start racing in World Racing League and they run a team in the, uh, in, in the same paddock. Okay. So that's how I came to know John and, and talk to him about putting this season together. But yeah, it's my first year with the team. Awesome. So how's the season going overall? Um, tricky. It was a tricky start to the season. Uh, I think it took us, uh, both me and the team, maybe a little bit to kind of find our sea legs. You know, it was a big... Uh, a big progression for me, a big progression for the team coming into a full season in professional racing. You know, same thing on my end. You know, I've only done amateur racing until now. Yeah, so it's just been, I think, uh, a challenging start to the season. But uh, it seems like every weekend we just kind of get a little better, a little bit faster. I get used to the car a little bit more. You know, the team's kind of all melding a little bit better. So, um, yeah, I mean, a tricky start to the season, but um, you kind of... You always wish that you could come out here and just hit the ground running and yeah. start winning races and things like that. But I think it, the reality is that the competition in this series is really, really stiff. Yep. Um, and you can't expect that. You know, you have to come out here. You have to really earn it. Um, so we've been putting in the effort for sure. And I think that lately, you know, our results uh, or at least our effort and our pace and things like that have, have started to show what we're capable of. Yep. But I think until now, you know, we haven't really been able to put everything together. Yep. Um, for instance, yesterday I would have had a P2. Unfortunately, yeah. we ran out of fuel with a few laps oh to go. Which is, it, it's a shame, but it's one of those things where the results that we've had this year aren't really representative of the effort and the pace that we've yeah. had. So if we keep doing what we do and keep improving, um, those results will come. And yep. you just have to keep your head up and know that and, and go on to the next one and just keep putting in the effort. So yeah. I think that we'll get there eventually. So you've got uh, three more races, right? Road America, Sebring, and in, in, in Indianapolis? Yep. Awesome. So uh, are you doing any other kind of racing right now, or is this it? No, this is it for this season, pretty much. Yep. Um, as far as the budget goes, this is all yeah. I had. <laughs> 100%. It was a big step from doing the amateur racing to doing yeah. this. Um, so yeah, I wish, I wish I could be on the racetrack every single weekend. Unfortunately, motorsports being as expensive yeah. as it is, that's not an option for me. Um, I wish it was, but uh, yeah. yeah, so this is that's all I'm crazy. doing for the year. Well, um, so tell me a little bit about the amateur racing you did. Um, what was the racing and what organization were you in? Uh, so I started in 2020 with the World Racing League, okay. which is an amateur endurance racing championship here in the United States. Um, also a really competitive series. So uh, there's a lot of pro teams. There's a lot of teams that race in SRO. You'll see the same teams yep. go and, and race in the WRL paddock that are here in the paddock this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so the competition's really fierce. Uh, the BOP is, is decent, you know, I mean, they do it on a power to weight, so there's going to be some cars that kind of inherently have an advantage, like the BMW M4s have been really strong the last couple of years just because they have that torque and they kind of have that arrow and they yeah. can get out there and get after it. Um, but it's fantastic series because you get the seat time. So until 2020, I'd only been doing kart racing. Yep. Um, and I knew that if I wanted to jump up to sports cars, you know, uh, the sprint racing that we do this year is fantastic, but you only get two 40-minute races every weekend. Yeah. Uh, and if you're trying to get that experience, um, I'm not going to say it's you know the worst place to get your experience, but 
um, you know, for the money as far as, you know, the time that you get on the track, World Racing League was really appealing on that front. Yep. You know, you get two, uh, two eight-hour races on a weekend, so 16 hours total of racing, and if you share the car with, like, two other people, maybe a three-driver team, I mean, you're getting five and a half hours of, of green flag running oh, in, that's awesome. in a weekend compared to, you know, an hour and 20 minutes with so, four two 40-minute races. So. so the only thing with uh, the endurance that I've heard, right, is you just you got to look for the right drivers so that they're not crashing the car so everybody gets an opportunity yeah. to race. So did you, that ever happen to you? Or? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, there were a couple times where I had a co-driver that would maybe have some contact and, and, and maybe cost us some time or, yeah. or cost us, you know, the, the afternoon or something. Um, I don't think there was a time where I ever had any contact that cost us the afternoon. So I had a really safe three years. Yeah. Um, and that actually made it a bit frustrating when I came into this year. Because I had a bit of contact, a couple of instances of contact early in the year. Yep. Even at the first round at Sonoma, I had some contact with an out-of-class car. And then at NOLA, still getting used to the brakes on the BMW compared to the Porsche. I got a bit deep in the turn one, had a contact with an in-class car. So it's been a learning process. Um, and when I was karting, you know, that was sprint racing too. So you go out there and it's just high intensity from yeah. the start. And I think um, making the transition, though, from doing three years of endurance racing where, I mean, you're aggressive, but you're not... You know, you still have an eight-hour race. Yeah. You still have to keep the tire under yeah. you. You can't take the curbs maybe like you can in a 40-minute race. Yep. Or they're going to de-lam or blow out, and then you're just screwing the next guy over and things like that. So it's yeah. uh, the level of intensity in this series um, for 40 minutes is just insane. And also the level of competition in this series is huge. Like, yeah. um, we're all so close to each other at the end of a 40-minute race. Um, I think at this, you know, even at this track, like, we're like seven, eight seconds after 40 minutes from like P1 and like P5, P6. Yeah. I remember at Coda, it was even less than that. Yeah. It was like five and a half seconds or something between the top six people after 40 minutes of racing. Um, so there's no breathing room. You know, even today, um, unfortunately, I had some contact in the turn one with a competitor, kind of messed up the toe, uh, the rear right toe of my car. So we were down about three miles an hour on the straight for the whole race. Mm. So unfortunately, we weren't able to really catch the people in front of us. But you know, I was able to dig deep, I guess, enough to keep the people that were behind me behind me yeah. and, and finish in fifth. So it's 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 go. You know, the second the green flag drops, you've got to go and you've got to try and make up the spots if you can. There's no extra time. You know, so it's it's um, that level of intensity has taken me maybe a while to kind of get used to after doing the endurance racing right. stuff for three years. Right. But I feel like now, you know, having done this was the fourth round of the year so the eighth race of the year we just had today yep. you know i feel like i'm getting a lot a lot more used to just 100 you know turning it on from the start Instantly. and keeping it on for the full 40 minutes so where are you from uh, i grew up in st louis missouri but i've lived in denver colorado since 2016. okay cool and then when you did karting how long did you do that so i got my start in 2017 doing rental carts um at a local place out in colorado they've since closed down now um but uh, it was like a rental wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing league so it wasn't just racing the clock type of thing uh, and so I did that for 2017. 2018, I moved up to doing uh, two-stroke karting and a regional uh, karting championship out in Colorado called the Colorado Karting Tour. And then in 2019, I was having so much fun doing that, I added a four-stroke to my regiment, so I was doing double duty both in the two-stroke and the four-stroke for that year. Um, and that's also the year where I went and got a, uh, my racing license, did a couple of uh, you know, racing schools and things like that. And then between 2019 and 2020, started reaching out to a couple of WRL teams about putting together a season for 2020. Awesome. So did you did you know any of the WRL people? Or how'd, you, how'd you meet them? Like, who do you, no, how no do you choose? I, so I knew none of them. Um, I, I think I found... Uh, I, I found out about Mark Martin, who's the team owner of Will Twin Racing, who's the team that I raced with for three years in, in World Racing League. I found out about him because I follow Pippa Man on Facebook, and she had raced with him, I think, early in 2020, like March, maybe Barber or something. She did a race with them and, yep. and was posting about them on, the, on her social media. 
Um, and I was looking into this team and I was kind of looking into world racing. I hadn't really known much about it until then. Yeah. And um, she posted a video of a pit stop that this that the team did at um, at Barber, I think it was. And it was just like super professional. Like this team looked like they were on top of it. The car came in, like the fuel jug going over. The guys are running. They're like throwing the empty fuel jugs, like hopping on. Like it was full on. Like I was super impressed with it. And so I reached out to Mark. I think like a couple days later, we started talking about things. You know, I told him a bit about my racing history and said, listen, I want to kind of dip my toe into the water here. Yeah. Maybe come do like four races with you this year, which is all I did in 2020. It was only four races with the team. But um, you know, he really accepted me with open arms. Um, and I'd say it was actually a funny story. We were supposed to do testing uh, at Circuit of the Americas. So the team was based out in Texas. Okay. And I was supposed to go down and do testing in April in, in the GT4 because I'd never driven uh, a, a tin top sports car. All of my racing schools were in open wheels. So I did the Allenberg School and their Formula, I think it's the Formula Renault 1600. Yep. And then I did the Lucas Oil School, which is basically like a Formula Ford. Yep. Um, so it was all in open wheel stuff. So I'd never done the tin top stuff. And obviously, if you think back to 2020, April of 2020, coronavirus, right? Yeah. So uh, my testing in April got canceled. We moved that to May. My testing in May got canceled. Sure. And of course, the first race I was going to do with the team was in June at Daytona. And so I'd never been to Daytona. I'd never <laughs> met anyone on the team. I'd never driven a tin top sports car. I'd never driven a GT4 car. And all of the testing I wanted to do at the beginning of the year went kaput, right? So I show up to Daytona and I'd never driven the car. And off I go. Off I go at Daytona International Speedway, you know, on the high banks doing 160 miles an hour, never been in a tin top before. So it was a really challenging weekend. Um, I was several seconds off the pace of the faster drivers on the team and things like that, rightfully, because I hadn't had any sort of experience in the car. But it was one of those things where we, we wanted to get out there and test and then the world just worked against us with everything being shut down. And the second things opened back up, it was like, okay, your, your first race for the season is coming up. So I got my first taste of tin tops at Daytona the weekend of the 14 hour race in 2020. Man, that's amazing though, because a lot of people would, would, would love to race at Daytona and that's your first experience with without wild. really being in, experienced in any of the car or anything. So that's, yeah. that's incredible. Um, where else did you race that season? Do you remember? Yeah, so uh, I did Daytona. I did Road Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I did High Plains Raceway out in Colorado. Yeah. Uh, and then I did Circuit of the Americas that year. So you've been to several tracks. Do you have any favorites? Yes. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Uh, Road America. I think it's number one. Yeah. Um, I've always had a really good result there. And I, you know, growing up in St. Louis, you know, uh, Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin reminds me a lot of home. Yep. Um, it's just a really friendly town. The food there is fantastic. It's, you know, it's great weather. Like the race fans up there are just amazing. Drinking some spotted cow, can't complain about that. You know, you got the fan, like the fan parade in the town and yeah. stuff like that. So it's, um, I, I really kind of have a soft spot in my heart for Wisconsin. So Road America, definitely number one. I think Road Atlanta, a close second. Um, it's one of those tracks where it's just a hoot, the whole thing. You know, I mean, it's high consequence, kind of like VIR, yeah. but uh, it, yeah. it, it's, it's got a rhythm to it. Yeah. It's got a really fun rhythm to it. You know, you got that first section, you know, the second sector, and then you get down the back straight, and you kind of get a little bit of a breather, 
and then you're into 10, you know, 10A, 10B, and then you're over the hill, down through, you know, 12, and then yep. back into turn one. Like, it's just a real fun romp through the red clay hills of Brazelton, Georgia, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, Road America, definitely my favorite track. Road Atlanta, close second. Okay. Any tracks that you just like, man, I, I don't know about this track. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. At least that I've driven so far. Yeah. Um, there, there are tracks, you know, like this track, BIR, is a really good example of a track that's very high consequence. Yeah. Um, it's really skinny. There's not a lot of places where you can make a move. Um, I mean, there, there's a couple of kind of natural places like turn one, you know, end of the back straight and, and here and there. But there's, if you're going to make a move somewhere else, you're probably kind of forcing it and yeah. maybe, you know, taking some risk. And the other thing too, at a track like this, you know, there's zero runoff. Like there's track and then there's grass yeah. and then there's wall. Yeah. And so if you make a mistake, you, you know, you dip a wheel or something like that, you know, it's real easy to hook the car around, send it into the wall, send it into the tires. And the elevation change here is, is, is really huge too. So. Um, you know coming down through south bend you know i had a moment yesterday in the race for instance i was coming down and um it's really really lost the back end of the car and then the commentators were commenting on it because the car was like it looked like i was about to lose it and as as that was happening i'm like oh boy i messed up i'm going to be in the wall and somehow i saved it uh, but that's how close you you can get to it here but it's like it's really high consequence and so i don't think that there's a track that's like my least favorite i think it, if, if you're on a racetrack in a race car it's going to be a good day yeah no matter what happens i mean yep. back on wood but, um, but yeah, this track is a good example of a track that's, we just came here from Coda. You know, the last race we had was at Coda. Yep. And, you know, it's an FIA grade one track. There's so much runoff, you know, and, and, and they basically even said, you know, if it's a painted surface, it's considered the circuit. So we were being pretty liberal with track limits at Circuit of the yep. Americas, you yep. know, hopping, you know, hopping curves and going wide on exit and things like that. Because if you can, and you're a racing driver, you will. Yep. Like if they say you can go wider, you can yep. use more of the track, you Do absolutely it. will. Here. They could tell us we could use the grass all they want to, and you can't, you can't <laughs> yeah. use the grass. No, right? not you, at you're all. kind of limited by the actual, the natural topography of the, the circuit yep. and, and the surrounding grounds and things like that. So there's a lot of different philosophies when you go to different tracks. You know, like I said, like Coda, you really push it to the limit. And if you go over the track limits, you get, you know, three warnings before they do anything and you can do it. But here it's just, you're forced. You're yeah. forced to keep it on the gray stuff. And if you get off of the gray stuff, you're going to have a really bad time. So yeah. I think that every racetrack has its kind of own character and once you kind of learn what that character is you can kind of exploit it the best that you can yep and so here it's just about using all the track that you can but you can't set a foot wrong yeah you know coda use all the track that you can but you can set a foot wrong and, and you're not going to get really hung out so i yeah. think a track like this really kind of separates the drivers who are super consistent yep at you know just maximizing the circuit that you have because you can't make that mistake you can't go a foot wide Yep. You know, you can't dip a wheel or things like that, you know, or you're probably going to have a bad time. You have a most memorable race, something that will never, you'll never forget. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, 2021 WRL 24 hours of Sebring. Okay. Um, so they'd never, until that weekend, they'd never held a 24 hour race at Sebring. Um, and at that point, Sebring was 71 years old. So 71 years of, you know, the birthplace of American endurance racing yep. and they'd never done a 20, um, like Audi and Porsche have done like 24, 36 hour tests there, Yeah. but they've never had a 24 hour competition. And so World Racing League, which I was wasted for that amateur endurance racing yeah. championship we were talking about, they decided they wanted to go there and do it. And it was actually one or two weeks before Hankook did their 24-hour series debut there. So okay. we did it first, okay. uh, which was fantastic. And uh, I was still with Will to Win Racing, WTW at the time. Yep. And uh, so I was driving a Porsche Cayman GT4 Club Sport, and we won the race. So oh, wow. me, and, me and three co-drivers. Um, for, for 24 hours, I think we won by like four laps up. So the first ever 24 hour race at Sebring, we won. 
And at the time, uh, we set a distance record under competition at Sebring because we did 2,016 miles. Wow. 538 or 539 laps, I think it was, over the 24 hours. And so a little bit over 2,000 miles of racing we did Man. Uh, in the 24 hours at Sebring. And the other thing that was fantastic was uh, I got in the car at like 6.40 in the morning for my second or for my final double stint. Um, yeah. I think it ran from noon to noon, the okay. race did. So right. uh, at that point, that was my third double stint where you're in for about two and a half hours or so in the car. Yeah. And sunrise, uh, sunrise was at like 7.20 in the morning. So I got to drive into the Sunrise at Sebring, which is a place, of course, that's been so famous for sunsets for 71 years. Yep. And no one had ever driven into the Sunrise under competition conditions at Sebring. Um, <laughs> and so that was really quite the experience, right? I mean, because how many how many people can do that? Well, Even then, they've you'll... only had the Hankook race. That's right. That's it. And then they, they didn't do it the next year. So I think even as of now, there's only ever been two 24-hour races at Sebring. And we won one of them and just had that opportunity to drive into the sunrise and, and, and celebrate with my team. And I mean, climbing on the fence at the end of that race and hanging my hands over and we were all just hooting and hollering. Oh it was God. the best feeling. I think even even winning a race here in TC America or even winning a championship in TC America, I don't think it would beat that in a sense because yeah. there's been people that have won races in TC America. There's been people that have won championships in TC America. But we're one of you know only two teams in the world that has ever won a 24-hour race at Sebring outright. You yeah. know, and so that one, it's going to be really tough to beat that one. I think it would have to be a really special race for for something to kind of take over that win in my heart. For awesome, sure. man. So I, I I know you guys have got it about to eat. So one last question: How what would you tell somebody to do who's never been racing before? You know, they're not a 12-year-old kid. They're an adult. They really don't have any experience and they want to test it out. Like, how would how should they start to test out whether or not motorsport racing is for them? Yeah, well, I actually got my late start too. So I'm 38 now, and so back in 2017, I think I was 32 when I started doing the rental karting. And I'd probably say there, there's there's two ways about it. You can either do kart racing. Um, kart racing will teach you a lot about racecraft. Um, it'll teach you a lot about having fast hands and kind of car control. There's, there's a lot of things about kart racing, you know, like setting up the kart that won't really translate yeah. into setting up a car and things yeah. like that. And, you know, none of the tracks that you race on when you're kart racing are, are tracks that you're going to race on when you're car racing. But that's one way you can go because it's really an affordable entry point yeah. in, into motor racing. And the other thing I would suggest would be some type of like HPDE or some sort of like a driver school. Yeah. Just because uh, especially if you have zero experience or you don't know if you like it or not, you just want to you don't want to spend too much money before you figure out whether it's for you or not. Yeah. And then once you, if, if you do it and you really like it and you want to kind of take that step, then you can always, you know, spend more or spend more time or spend more money on it or things like that. But you really want to keep that financial, you know, expenditure overhead low until you realize, you know, this is something that I really like. Yeah. And karting is great. Like it, the, the racing and karting is super intense. They're short races, but they're very physically demanding. They're really intense and it's a really fun thing. Um, and if you have a you know have a sports car or a buddy has a sports car and you can either rent it or maybe there's a local driving school, um, I know a lot of people might also suggest something like an autocross. Um, personally, I don't think that you really get the seat time that you need to develop as a driver in autocross, yeah. based on what I've seen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have friends who do autocross and things like that, and, and they might go spend 12 hours at a track and get six one-minute runs or yeah. something like that, and yeah. that's that's rough for the return because people aren't lying when they say that the most money that you can, the best money that you can invest into your driving career is in the driver. It's seat time, seat time, seat time. Everyone goes out there, they want, oh, I want to put new brakes on the car or new suspension on the car. Or I want to get a turbocharger. I want to get new tires or I want to get a, a you know, more aggressive alignment or whatever it is. The best thing you can do is just get more seat time. Yeah. You know, it's the nut behind the wheel ultimately that's going to make the difference. And I think like something like an HPDE, 
uh, track night in America, you know, SCC yep. has those sorts of things. Yep. Yep. Um, that's probably a really good entry, at least since just performance driving. And then if you enjoy it, if, if you maybe find that you're good at it or something that you want to get good at or pursue, then, you know, you can move on to like regional club racing, you know, things like uh, NASA, SCCA, or if you have a BMW, you know, BMW CCA yep. or Porsche PCA and things yeah. like that. So find a club race. Um, a club racing organization that works with whatever manufacturer for the car that you have and, and get out there and give it a shot. Um, that's probably the most typical progression. Okay. You know? Cool. Man, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're very welcome. I'm looking forward Enjoy to it. seeing you guys at a couple more tracks and following along. Yeah, I think Road America will be really fun. Yeah. We get a two month break, which is nice in a, in a sense. You know, it's a nice summer break. But yeah, in two months uh, in August, we're at Road America. And like I said, that's my favorite track. So I've always done well there. And with the repave too, I've heard that it's oh. really, really grippy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the fastest. It's, it's um, you know, it, it's like half mile longer than Coda, but yeah. you do the same lap time yeah. at Road America as you do at Coda. Yeah. That's how much faster it is. <laughs> it's just, it's just a real hoot. And so is the town and so yeah. are the people up there in, in Elkhart Lake and Plymouth and everything like that. So I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Great. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening to Driven to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. If you like the content, please share and like. But I have one ask for everyone listening. I would appreciate more than anything to add you to my weekly newsletter. Simply visit my website, driventocompete.com, and you'll see a form to get on my newsletter where I share exclusive content and giveaway swag. Thank you.